All right, welcome back to the Cardin Ellis Show. I am your host, Cardin Ellis, and today we are joined in the studio by a very interesting character, Joel Erickson, who is the, oh gosh, let me see if I get this mouthful correct, the dialogue and ADR specialist for, uh, here, you do it, just you do it. Well, dialogue slash ADR supervisor. Okay, cool. In a nutshell, if you've ever gone to see a Michael Bay film, and there's a bunch of yelling and screaming before the explosions and before the Hummer like barrels through the brick wall and then blows up the dam, which releases the river, which annihilates the continent, which starts the global <laughs> thermonuclear war. Okay, um, before that happens, there's usually some talking involved, and right. this guy does all of the sound <laughs> for that talking and supervises it all. And he's got some really cool tips for anybody that wants to get into sound in the industry. He's also going to tell us some pretty awesome stories about some crazy things, especially with iPhones and how even though these films got $60 million budgets... Uh, how often he actually resorts to using iPhone footage and audio. It's actually pretty interesting stuff, and you got a pretty cool career here. So um, before I bury the lead here uh, and take over the conversation, Joel, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and why you're so cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I got into doing sound for film about uh, 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. So I was probably I was kind of later in life actually I was about 28 and most people in the industry probably start out a lot younger than yeah I if you're was. a model you'd be washed up dude yeah I mean, totally. you're, you're menace to society at that <laughs> yeah. point you know? yeah so um, uh, I I moved out to California I, I grew up in a small you know farm town in Idaho and uh, went to film school and then decided you know that this is what I wanted to do so I'm just gonna make the leap. Moved out here with my family and and wait, is that why you had horses in your one YouTube video? Yeah, <laughs> those were your family's horses. No, the the neighbors' horses. But okay, total aside right here, <laughs> he has got a YouTube channel, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. It's called Gnarly Mode. Is that correct? Gnarly Mode. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got these hilarious lightsaber videos in which there's horses and lightsabers jousting. I need not say more. You just got to go <laughs> check it out. We'll talk about that later on in the hour. But um, okay, so you th those are like legit. Yeah, I mean, you look like you knew what you were doing on those horses. So you're like a legit farm boy. Actually, that is a testament to our filmmaking because those were stuntmen. No, it wasn't even me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's super cool. So what, they were just neighbors? Yeah, just our neighbors. And, and, and our neighbor actually played both sides of that jousting duel. He was both people. It was the same person. Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm sorry. Continue with what you were saying. You got into it late. You're from a farming community in Idaho. Yeah, so um, I basically uh, we moved out here, no prospects, and and I I did like a another after my my four year film degree, I did another technical program that was uh, based around uh, Pro Tools, which is the industry standard you cool. know, sound editing software. And yeah. while I was doing that, my plan was just to get more uh, specialized in sound and try to make some contacts, like meet anybody that that I could. Okay. And about halfway through that program, which was a year program, um, a friend of mine actually from the film school I went to uh, at BYU uh, introduced me to uh, my sound supervisors who I still work with to this day, like 10 years later. And I started out for them as a runner. I was basically running hard drives back and forth because this was back in 2010 and there wasn't a lot of uh, online transferring of files just yet it still it, sucks it, it yeah. was kind of it was kind of on the verge of, yeah. of kind of taking off there uh -huh. 
And so I would just spend a lot of my days just running hard drives back and forth from the picture department back to Sony, where I was working at, in the sound department. And that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. I was You have to be in the Editor's Guild union um, okay. to, to edit sound on a major, you know, union motion picture. Okay. And uh, so I wasn't doing that, so I, I couldn't edit or do anything of that kind. So being the runner was how you had to start out and, and start working with the, the crew. Wow. But before the end of that... Is it actually credited as runner? Does, like, in the credits, does it say, like, runner? Well, but... I bef- ran a lot. Before the end of that production was over, I was in the union. Oh, okay. And, and so my title was able to be... Uh, in, uh, assistant sound editor okay, uh, cool. by that point. So they kind of fast-tracked me. I got really lucky that way, but they fast-tracked me into the, the union before the end of that movie. That was Transformers 3. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, so you started right off the bat just big hitting. Yeah, it was it was like just a really good connection, and the guys I was working with have just always really took care of me and, and have kind of brought me along ever since to all of their movies that they've done so rumor is that megan fox ran off with a sound guy in transformers 3 was that you no that was not no. me. <laughs> I, I deny any knowledge of that okay so so i gotta know what's it like working with michael bay man michael bay is um a really cool guy he's very intense really and well one of the one of the things that you you kind of get to experience when you're working on a movie is uh the sound they call them the sound rolls, which is basically all of the audio recordings from the set. And the sound is rolling a lot, a lot more than just the camera. Yeah, okay. So sometimes you you hear, you know, conversations or you, everybody's heard, you know, a few things that have kind of leaked off of a set that yeah. might not have, shouldn't have made it to the public. Yeah, ear. totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you're getting all of that, aren't so you, right? <laughs> you, you hear a lot of stuff. And Michael's very intense on set. Oh, that's cool. Um, but in the on the sound stage, like when he comes to to mix with us on the stage, he's really chill and and he's actually a really funny guy. And he always has these crazy stories of like what happened on the set and, really? and all the shenanigans that took place and what he had to do to get this shot and that shot. And he's he's a cool guy to work for. Oh, really? I oh, like that's so more. interesting. Yeah. I only saw him once. He was filming at uh, a family member's of mine's place at like a film location, so uh, I got to meet him. Yeah, and he was in a hoodie. He was just like hanging out. I thought he was honestly like one of the PAs or something. You know, so I guess I guess that's a good thing, right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. So, so you're in there and you fix all of this sound now, like Transformers. Like so much is going on. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What I had another friend who did sound in films. And and I know sound is so important because they say 60% of the movie going experience is sound. Okay. Oh, they say 60% now. They why was it less or more before? Well, it used to be 50, but the 60% sounds good. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I've I've always thought more it was 60. Than, yeah. Yeah. You can have a crappy image. Who well, cares? It, but if the sound stinks, then that's what makes it look amateurish. Right? That's true. That's true. And and even taking like the the most polished Hollywood like visual effects shot yeah. Say, imagine this action scene from a Transformers or, or Armageddon or, or whatever, yeah. and just watch it silently, yeah, like without any sound at all. Totally boring. It's it's very visually impressive, but it does not like emotionally impact you. 
oh, and I can only make it through some horror films by turning the sound down. Right. Like, <laughs> that's all I can do. I'm the biggest pansy. Like, I, I can, with the sound down, I can be doing this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I can be covering my eyes and peeking through the cracks. Yeah. But I can't. Okay, so... Wow, that this is so intriguing. So you, so you, and work. I didn't, I didn't always. So I, I've transitioned recently to dialogue. So when I first started out, I was an assistant sound editor. Yeah. And when you're an assistant, you basically um, are in charge of data management. So you're getting the, they call it the turnover from the picture department. So they'll give you an update to to the shots and the and the film, and it's your charge to kind of or your um, goal is to delineate that to all the other sound editors make sure people are working on the right parts of the movie and okay yeah. and that kind of thing so that's what an assistant does and then when you finally start to edit sounds um i i did a few films where i did uh, the sound effects um you know the, the explosions guns and cars and all that kind of stuff yeah. and then i transitioned into the dialogue so each facet of the sound is kind of its own distinct um group within the sound team and then everybody brings their elements together in the final mix. Wow. So the only department that we don't really work with very closely, well, I shouldn't phrase it like that. The only department that we're yeah, not- Yeah, you better watch what you say, dog. Half of them are yeah, listening. Yeah, man. exactly. No, <laughs> uh, the music department is pretty independent of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we don't see them a lot until the final mix stage where they where they come in. They're sending us you know, their, their music tracks so we can kind of work off of those and see how- yeah. The effects are playing with the music, you know, during the editorial process. Yeah. But uh, it's not until the final mix stage where everything comes together and it's all balanced out that way. Wow, that's so. Cool. So dialogue and sound effects work very closely hand in hand, and then the music people come in, you know, at least with us right at the end. Okay, so I have to know something. I know we said we we're going to talk about this later, but I just want to dive into it right now. You were telling me a story during pre-show that was super interesting. How right now you're working with The Rock, mm -hmm. okay, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yep. if you will, yep. and um, you needed some dialogue. I think he prefers Dwayne, but oh, he okay, <laughs> you, you think so? <laughs> yeah, I think you're so. already on a first name basis, right? So you, you're you're the authority. Yeah. You were saying how you needed some some extra audio, and that a lot of these stars after filming is wrapped, there's a lot of pickups and you said, I think you call them efforts. You'll get into that a little bit later, mm -hmm. but you said you need some lines and it's actually best to record remotely on an iPhone. Well, like, like, so yeah, get, okay. get into that. So I'll, I'll explain that. I wouldn't say it's best. Okay. But it works in a pinch. So, so what you, you movies know, have I heard and thought were done in a freaking amazing studio and I've been gimmicked because there's just some sound genius like you mixing iPhone footage? Well, I, I think or audio. there's probably a good portion of movies recently that have at least a small percentage of things that were done in that kind of way, like on an iPhone or uh, okay, know, so tell us, whatever. Okay, so tell us what's going on. What did so, you do with The Rock? So uh, we haven't done it yet, and-, and don't let this get out. Is, okay. this, is this a public show? Like this is going well, out yeah, to people it, it will listen. be. Okay. So you can say <laughs> we can edit out anything that needs to be edited out. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. No. So you don't have to say what the lines are, but just say what you're doing and how you collect it. Yeah. So Dwayne is extremely busy. Yeah. I mean, I I don't have a good example of anyone who is more busy than that guy in Hollywood. He's got a million shows going on. He's producing things. He's acting in His things. His Instagram profile enough it's, is, it's crazy. is it, going to give me a heart attack and I stress. don't know how yeah. he finds any spare time. Yeah. 
So one of the challenges that we have is is getting him to or is him just having the time to come in and record lines that need to be replaced. So on the set, you know, there's all kinds of uh, production gear and, and generators and, and, you know, all kinds of problems that can happen when you try to record audio on a set. Yeah. And for the production mixer, their only job is dialogue. Like, that's all they care about. They don't want they're, – they're not worried about explosions or, or footsteps or – you know, pouring a drink of water, nothing. All of that is replaced, like 99% of it. Yeah. So their only job on the set is to capture the dialogue. And when that doesn't happen, like it should, the actors have to come in and re-record their lines. Wow. But sometimes there are picture changes that take place late in the game, um, you know, where they make a cut or they want to change a line. Maybe the camera is around the back of the actor's head, and so they, they're free to kind of swap out dialogue. Yeah, you're okay. Not, you're not going to see the lips mismatching. Yeah, okay. Just to clarify something. Yeah. And sometimes it's one or two words even. Okay. And if that happens right at the end, when the final mix is almost finished, actors are off doing another project. They have no time to go to a studio to, to do anything like that and we need just one or two words, then in a pinch, they'll use an iPhone. They'll go to a quiet room, use their iPhone to say the line, or, or you know, we'll send them an audio clip of how it was said okay. so they can mimic exactly you know, how they did it, and they can hear the tone. and Because you have to kind of get back into the yeah. actor mode. Yeah. And uh, they'll send us that clip, and most of the time it's, it's totally fine, and the audience would never know that it wasn't done professionally on the stage. Whoa, that is so crazy. Yeah. So now you, you before you had mentioned that like it's best to do three takes, one with it like close to your face, one with it kind of far away. Like what's the my mind is blown here that I'm watching huge movies that might potentially just have clips from an <laughs> iPhone. I, I don't know yeah. why I'm perseverating on this, but this sounds like crazy to me. So so when we first, you know, had to kind of resort to this uh, kind of a thing, um, actors weren't that experienced I'm, I'm sure a lot of the big actors are experienced in doing this now and some of them even have nicer setups in their home like with a professional microphone and things like that yeah but when they're on the road or they can't swing that kind of thing uh but we get recordings back where you know they went in a bathroom and started doing it and of okay. course it's way too echoey and yeah our our software magic only goes so far you know, you can't yeah. fix like anything that's really egregious. Okay. So egregious. Um, that's a great word, by the way. <laughs> that that that's that's word of the day right yeah. there. Okay, keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the dictionary.com word of the day. Uh so they so so we started sending out kind of an instruction email. Like, okay, this is the lines that we need you to do. This is how we want you to do it. Make sure you go in a room that you know, go in a coat closet or go in a room that has carpet. Lots of uh, stuff on the walls. Don't go in a hardwood floor kitchen or anything like that. Okay. Make sure your refrigerator's unplugged. No air, air conditioning on. Yeah. All wow. that kind of stuff to think about. And and one of the other tips is that they record the audio in three different distances from their face. So they'll hold the phone as far away as they can get it, then kind of halfway in, and then really close, and do you know three different takes of the same line. And usually. Any of those would work, but one is always better than the others. So we'll just pick the one that works the best and 
Wow. Okay. Now, is it something where you completely have to salvage it, or is it is it is an iPhone just as good as some of these like three thousand dollar mics that people are using? Um, they sound really good. Yeah, they sound really good. And and every line in the movie has some some form of EQ that the mixer is going to put on it to make it sound as as good as it can be. So even the professional mics, I mean, they're going to have some kind of treatment on it just to get it right in that pocket that it sounds the best. So the iPhone, I mean, it's no different. Than, than any of that other stuff. So they'll, wow. they'll, they'll EQ it and just get it right in the pocket, and it's fine. Okay, so uh, there's a lot of people here. I mean, we're, we're in the greater Los Angeles area, so there's a ton of people that are aspiring to be, you know, um, uh, sound engineers, sound guys, to be actors, models, singers, so on and so forth. What makes a good sound guy? What makes a good sound guy? Well, well, not talking, sound guy talking, like Kevin Jones. specifically not, post sound. Yeah, yeah. Pa- sorry, you're not expertise. the dude that's got the big gully sack, you know, and, right. the, and the boom pole that's trying to make small chat with the actors as the director goes away to get, you know, another um, illegal substance in his bloodstream. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're a, a good. So, so what makes so a I good have version done both. of you? Um, oh, I, really? Yeah, I've done a couple independent, very small budget films where I was the boom operator and the mixer. So I had I had a. Um, little sound devices recording yeah. rig on a, a, str- a shoulder strap. Okay, and I would be doing the boom and mixing at the same time to to get the levels right and stuff like that. And then I was also the editor for those movies, so it made me really cognizant of what I was recording because I knew I would be the one editing all that stuff. So I tried to get the best stuff all the time. Okay, so what is that guy doing? What is the sound guy doing? I've been on a million sets and I've never been a sound guy. I've never, I've been friends with a ton of sound guys. They always seem to be the coolest, most laid back guys on set. Yeah. Um, what are they doing with those little knobs as they fiddle all day? Um, so they're just mixing the different microphones, getting, getting levels right. So they have okay. multiple microphones on set. They might have one or two boom operators. Uh, the actors have a wireless mic. Depending on the setup, they might plant certain microphones in strategic areas of the set oh, okay. um, to just try to pick up any sound that they can. And the mixer is making a mix track. So all of those channels of audio are being summed together on a mix track that they can then use to do the first phase of the editorial process. Okay, cool. Um, but we're able to, as editors, pick any one of those individual microphones or channels and use just that channel. So we don't want to use the mix track in the final movie because you got a lot of audio coming together that you don't need. So all of the noise floors from those different channels of audio, uh, you know, all of the hiss, all yeah, the yeah, static, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff is being summed together. And when you take all of that away and have just the one microphone that you need with the best angle on the sound, it sounds you know, extremely better all of a sudden. Okay, so we're coming up on the bottom of the hour here, and I got to ask you one question before we go on a brief break here. What is, like, the craziest, coolest thing you've done or mixed as a sound guy? The craziest, In Hollywood, Yeah, like, I don't know, what's something that's, like, bragging rights, <laughs> you know, or, or, or something that's just, like, kind of hip, where, like, when your progeny, your grandchildren are like, my grandpa did blank. You know what I'm saying? Like, we used to have shootouts in the OK Corral. We used to have, like, you know, my grandpa shot the sheriff. Like, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your grandkids going to say about you? Boy, that's a good one. Um, you know, Sorry I, if I th- start an existential th- midlife crisis <laughs> yeah. right now on the Cardella <laughs> like, show. I have done absolutely saying? nothing with my life. <laughs> um, you know, there's lots of little tiny things that 
will be fun to point out. Like, I don't think anything where, because I have um, sound designers that I work with. Okay. You know, I've done effects editing, but I've never done a lot of sound designing. Like you were talking about like the transformers, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's all my boss, Eric Adol. And, uh, well, dude, they Ethan, don't even need Eric at all. I mean, that that, that that you just did was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> those guys are he he will be able to say, you know, I made that transformer sound, or and I, I know a lot about how that kind of stuff was created. For me personally, uh, one that's always kind of fun is I don't know if you've seen Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Oh yeah, yeah, I have actually. Yeah. So in in that movie, with a little puppet, right? Not the little, old one, the new one. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. One. Yeah. In that movie, there's these little gnome guys, right? Yeah. That, that are walking around, and they have these really high pitched voices, and we used helium to kind of make high voices and things like that. Oh, legit. But they have a, a kind of a laugh, and then this weird little uh, noise that I did one day, just messing around with. I do it with my cheek. It goes just like this. And what the <laughs> heck was that? What was that? Wait, wait, you got to do that again. That was amazing. That is okay, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, if you cannot see this I think on it's in, YouTube, I think it's in the trailer too for Goosebumps. But you literally just did like the cheek suck thing, like that. <laughs> but but while you're going like, wee, 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 I, yeah. I can't even try that. Oh my gosh. So, okay, if you are not, if you're listening to this on the radio, you need to go home and find this on YouTube because that was the craziest, coolest thing I ever saw all week. Keep going. So that that's kind of a, and we use that sound to to kind of just give some emotive quality to the to the gnomes while they're running around. They do this little thing, and dude, that and was so scary. I recorded it for uh, John Marquis, the sound designer, and he took it and he did a whole bunch of cool stuff with it, and and so yeah, team team effort, I guess. Okay, well, guys, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking right now with Joel Erickson, who's the total cool sound post-production guy on all kinds of Michael Bay flicks, all kinds of action flicks. Right now he's doing uh, some, uh, there's a river cruise you're working on now, right? Uh, yeah, Disney's Jungle Cruise. Yeah. yeah, Disney's Jungle Cruise. When we get back, he's going to tell us the process of becoming an actual post-production sound guy in Hollywood. And hopefully there's some other really cool uh, stories and hopefully some other really cool sounds uh, <laughs> right here on the Cardinella Show. We'll be back in a minute. Back to the Cardin Ellis Show. I'm your host, Cardin Ellis, and today we are joined in the studio once again with Joel Erickson. We just had a really interesting talk. He is the sound guy in post-production that handles a lot of the dialogue in the ADR for Michael Bay movies. Yep. Um, but it's not just Michael Bay you work for. Right now you're doing Disney Cruise. What's it called? Yeah, it's uh, Jungle Cruise, Disney's Jungle Cruise, based on the the Disneyland ride. Yes, that's right, based yes. on the Disneyland ride. And you've done all kinds Which is of other- a really fun, fun movie. It's good. It's good? Yeah. All right, sweet, sweet. So um, that's actually good to hear because sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes no, no. the trailer is better than the movie, so on and so forth. But your opinion is it's good. That's good to hear. Um, what else have you done? Like, just brag it up for a second. So when you give us your advice later, we know it's coming from a position of authority, right? Yeah, I've done, uh, let's see, um, I've done every Michael Bay movie since Transformers 3. Oh, okay. Uh, so um, 
what are we on like Transformer 17 now or <laughs> yeah. what are we on? <laughs> I've kind of lost we've count. Had, we've had Transformer 5 and and Bumblebee, although uh that was Travis Knight who directed that one. Okay. Uh Need for Speed, um Argo. Uh, oh, rock so on. we've done a couple movies with Ben Affleck and um Ninja Turtles 2 and you know that kind of stuff. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Why you don't work. You just have fun. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So you are the sound guy and you specialize in dialogue. In the last block, we had a really interesting conversation um, where you you told us, A, how it's done. B, you did that really crazy weird sound that the gnomes have (laughs) that I'm still recovering from, you know. But um, we also talked a little bit about your YouTube channel and how some of our listeners can actually become a version of you. This is a city, Los Angeles is a city loaded with aspiring filmmakers or aspiring sound guys, actors, models, uh, editors, special effects dudes, so on and so forth. So um, first, why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you got to where you are and what kind of advice you would give to the 10-year younger version of you who wants to be you. There's there's somebody out there listening to this right now saying, dude, I'd love to be in my living room and make a weird sound with my cheek and then have it be on the freaking, you know, uh, the the R.L. Stein Goosebumps movie and so on and so forth. So what, what was your story in getting there and how would you advise the younger version of you that wants to be a sound guy? Yeah. So I think the most important thing uh, I mean, it's it's kind of cliche, but it's true. It's, it's connections. Um, it's okay. contacts, people that, you know, um, that can get you, uh, you know, a, an interview. Okay. Um, the school thing is not as big a deal. Like, okay. at least where I work. They so could, the parents they could, out there are freaking out because you're telling people to sleep yeah. their way to the top and not go to school. Yeah, All right. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. All heard here on the Cardinella show. Right. No, I'm just kidding. Keep going. Like the guys I work with could care less about where I went to school. They just want to know that I know what I'm doing. You know, they, okay. they want to know that I know I know the software. I know the hardware. Um, that and what's I can, the proving ground for that? Like, like, how do you showcase that I actually do know what I'm doing? Well, it's kind of, it's partly fake it till you make it. Um, okay. So when I when I was hired to be um, the kind of runner slash uh, intern, you know, on uh, Transformers Three, I went in and uh, you know gave my resume and, and interviewed with the then assistant editor of the production okay. to see if I'd be a good fit or could could be of help. Okay. And uh, they had some new computers there. They had some new you know sound uh, editing stations there. And I just kind of like volunteered. This wasn't a requirement to get the job by any means, but I just kind of volunteered to like set them up. And okay. so I, I set them up and, and installed like uh, some HDX cards, which is some, some you know, sound yeah. editing gear, you know, and uh, just kind of showed them that I, I was on top of things. I could be a go getter and, and yeah. just kind of be handy that way. And I think that's what got me the, the job initially. Wow. So, and, and some get, of the, some of the stuff that I was setting up, I'd yeah. never done before. Oh, really? I just read in the instructions as I was doing it <laughs> that that's how you needed to do it. And so, uh, yeah. well, that that's interesting. <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious. So, even we've all heard the fake it till you make it, but how do you get even to a position where you're capable of faking it? Like, how does the farm boy from Idaho? For those of you that haven't listened to our first block, I mean, you, you got to check it out online. Um, Joel is actually from a farm in Idaho. (laughs) 
And he's got this like lightsaber YouTube video with 20 million views in which like these horses are charging and jousting with lightsabers. It's freaking hilarious and it's funny. Um, the sound was horrible on that one, by the yeah, way. You might want to go back and redo that. But no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, now, now that you're a professional guy, you're probably looking back at your old YouTube content going, oh my gosh, what am I doing? But um, how do you go It actually go wasn't from- that old. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but how do you get to a point where you're sitting there in Idaho and you're like, I want to be a Hollywood sound and special effects guy to all of a sudden being the dude that's done the past seven Michael Bay films. What, what, how did you bridge that gap from just having the dream and sitting on the alfalfa? <laughs> okay, I know I'm totally glamorizing yeah. this wrong. But, but how do you get from being in that field in Idaho, a state known completely for potatoes, to being the dude in California, in Hollywood, that's making Michael Bay's movies? Well, first of all, I probably wouldn't describe myself as the dude. Like I'm on the team, but there's a couple other guys on the team I would say are the dudes. Okay. Um, I I just ride coattails is really all I do, but... Um, hey, it's a, it's it's it, riding. Is that your advice? Just yeah, ride coattails. Just ride coattails. Find someone really successful and just latch on. Um, you know, it, there's no, there's no, like golden ticket that okay. you're gonna get. I think a lot of it is chance. But the more that you put yourself in the position uh, and put yourself out there, the more chances you're gonna get. So the way I met the supervisors I work for now was I had a buddy from film school uh, that I graduated with who had, who had been a food runner uh, and had just gotten meals for the crew, like for the sound crew and a sound crew on, on that kind of movie is, you know, 15, 16 people about with everybody. And, uh, and they called him to see if he wanted to do that again. And he had gotten into picture editing, like assistant picture editing. So he said, no, I'm not really doing that anymore, but I've got a friend that just moved into town who wants to get into sound. Wow. I'm sure he'd, he'd give it a try. And so he called me up, and I went in for an interview, and a couple other guys interviewed, and I ended up getting the job. So uh, it was kind of a lucky chance you know, uh, meeting, but there are people that so, – so I kind of help also run the website for the, for the sound company that I work for. It's e- okay. E-Squared. And by the way, what's the E stand for? Is it like entertainment excellence? <laughs> so it's easy. Is it so anything like that? Or my, just no? The sound supervisors I work for are Eric Adol and Ethan Vanderine. So they're both start oh, with E. It. So it's E. Squared. Okay, that makes more yeah. sense. All right. Yeah. I mean, th- these guys are really good. Ethan was on all the Lord of the Rings movies with Peter Jackson, and, and Eric, of course, okay. kind of got his. Uh, kind of became famous as the Transformers designer and, and done a Godzilla and that kind of thing. Okay, cool. Um, but what, what, what were we saying? Where was that? Oh, how do you get from being that Idaho farm boy to being? Oh, yeah. What, what I was where saying you are now was yeah. um, I kind of help run the the website as well on the side. Okay. And we get you know submissions on the website all the time from aspiring sound editors, like yeah. all the time. Okay. And they just kind of put themselves out there and, and say, hey, I'm doing this in school. I'm really interested in what you guys do. Um, you know, here's my contact information. And once in a while, you know, we'll contact one of those people. 
But what makes you choose one from the other, though? Like, is there anything or is it just literally at the right time that person was the, the, the right guy to send in the right portfolio? Well, so here's some here's some information that um, should be helpful to a lot of people wanting to get into this is it's all union based. You have to be in the editor's guild to work on a movie as an editor. Okay. And to do that, you have to have a certain amount of hours on non-union pictures as an editor, like as a sound editor. And you have to show like pay stubs. And I can't remember exactly what the amount of hours is, but okay, you have to qualify yourself. So most of the submissions that come our way through the website, I basically lay that out for them. I say... That's that's good. We'll keep you on the list for possible people that work on a show. Because when you work in sound, you're freelance. I mean, I work with the same company all the time, but I'm always hired per project. So okay. when a project ends, I can go work with another sound supervisor if I want to or if I have an opening or something like that. It just so happens that I just have stayed with these guys because they always have some more work to do. But most of the time I'm pointing out to people that you have to make yourself union eligible before you can work on like the big Hollywood non, you know, okay. not the independent yeah. films, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so if you want to look at that and you're serious about getting into sound, go to editorsguild.com and look at the qualifications for making yourself union eligible. Wow. Cause you have to get in the union. That's like the number one hurdle when you're starting out. Okay, so can you just like slip in the back door because you know somebody? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't really get away with that. It's huh? really. So what got you? I in would the say union? no. Just all of that running well, that you talked about before. I I started um, working on Transformers Three as a non-union position, uh, like a. Uh, I can't. What was the title? It wasn't a you know sound assistant. It wasn't anything in the sound world. It's just like a production assistant. Okay. You know. Um, and after so many weeks, um, if you are on a union job or on a union movie, they can, they can do kind of a, a fast track, um, get you in the union type of thing. But it's so rare. It doesn't happen very often that uh -huh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell people to count on that kind of thing. I got super lucky. Okay. What about the value of making your own movie? So many, uh, and actually, before we even talk about making your own movie, talk to me a little about school for this. Mm -hmm. Do you think films, a big expensive film school is the way to go? You yourself had mentioned that you got like a simple certification. Like, it, what role does education actually play in making it to the position you want to be in in Hollywood? Well, I think it definitely doesn't hurt. I mean, if you're if you have the knowledge by if you go to film school, you're going to be on student films. You're going to know you'll, you'll have kind of an idea what sets are like and and what post-production process are like, especially if you want to get into post sound. None of that stuff hurts, but I wouldn't say it's a requirement. Um, the most important thing when we're looking at people is a sound reel. OK, uh, so you, so you mentioned like making your own film for, for a sound person. It would be taking a, a big action scene from a well-known movie, taking all the sound away from it and redoing the whole thing yourself. Like if you want to be a big sound effects designer Whoa. and you have a couple of those scenes that you can show a sound supervisor, I cut all of this, I edited all this from scratch, and they look at that and they immediately, within the first 20, 30 seconds of that, they're going to know if you know what you're doing or not. 
Wow. So could you maybe, for example, like take a really well-known movie, like a great monologue, like maybe Braveheart, where he's about going to say, will you fight for your freedom? Like that whole cool thing, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And just maybe having your sister record it. So <laughs> it looks like Mel Gibson has a girl's voice, but it's like legitimate. And then you hear like the clank of the shields yeah. and the shink of the different armor and so on and so forth. But instead of them fighting with, uh, actually, no, that might be too comedic and maybe they wouldn't <laughs> take you seriously. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but you Put literally- Put your own little stamp on it. Yeah, but you so you literally suggest perhaps- Downloading the section of a film that we all know. Yeah. And then just redoing the sound completely to show, hey, this I can make this look professional. Yeah, exactly. Because when you're doing that, you have to have all of the aspects of sound in place. you got to know how to get... And, and, and here's the other thing. If you can tell them that you did it with all sounds that you recorded yourself and you didn't cut from a sound library that you purchased, that's Ooh. even better. Because then they know you know how to go out into the field and acquire sound assets yourself that you can put those into a library and master them. So you put them through all the EQs, make them sound really good, then use those sounds to cut the action scenes. And then you have to mix all of those sounds together in a way that makes it coherent for you know a first-time viewer of the scene. So wow, one of the things that is always kind of humorous to me when people think about sound in movies is you always think immediately of the Foley artist in the Foley stage. Yeah. And that is a very small portion of the entire sound process of a movie. Yeah. For anybody that's just tuning in and doesn't know exactly what a Foley artist is, uh, to the best of my understanding, and I was a Universal Studios tour guide. There All right, Joel. So yeah. I'm not out there making cool little cheap I, sounds. I maybe, you know? maybe it's Universal Studios that is perpetuating this falsehood but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um a foley artist for those of you that are just tuning in or maybe don't know what a foley artist is correct me if i'm saying this wrong joel yeah but um they're the ones that basically take the wet celery and wash rags and smack them together so that when you see that fist punching the face it makes that cracking sound and they're the ones that wiggle the sheet metal for thunder and they're the ones that you know take high-heeled shoes for women and go to a basketball court and then go clickety clack clickety clack to make all of the high-heeled uh shoe sounds and so on and so forth in movies that's a fully artist am i correct yes so okay. there, there's someone who watches the screen and in sync to what they're seeing on the screen they're performing the sound because it's so specific that it's just quicker to record it while you watch it live oh, than, than to edit it from a library. So an editor, any editor worth his salt, could easily edit footsteps um, going down a sidewalk or going up the stairs. We have, them, we have a million of them in the sound libraries. We could cut each and every single one, but that takes time. So it's easier for a Foley artist just to watch it on the screen and perform the sound. So he's and it's like not those guys. Be perfect. They'll get it like ninety percent there. Yeah. But then the editors will take the sounds that they've recorded and tighten them up and get them just perfect right on the picture. So he's like that guy that you see at the mall or at like you know Hollywood and Vine with <laughs> the symbol here, the drum connected to the left foot, yeah. the piccolo connected to the le right foot, you know what I'm saying? And he's yeah. walking around banging his drums and making the beat while he's also playing on the little electric guitar. And Okay, yeah. wow, that's that's. Cr I didn't realize so that the, they did it live. Yeah, the, well, this, the sound editors, um, you know, the, the guys in charge of all the sound effects in the in the film, you know, they do the, the backgrounds, you know, birds chirping or wind gusting, yeah. you know. 
Um, and, the, and they do the guns and they do the cars. Like you can't do guns on a Foley stage. You can't do cars on a Foley stage. You can't take a car out yeah. you know, on a track and, and do you can do you it know, in your driveway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am not responsible for any damage to anybody's driveways. <laughs> but yeah. but the reason people see Foley artists so often in behind the scenes or in in you know media stories about doing sound is because it's really the only thing you can film. Like you you take a, a news oh, you true. take a news crew out to a sound studio. Say, well, well, we want some footage, some B, some B roll of you guys doing sound. That's the Foley stage. That's where you're going to go and do that kind of stuff. But wow. most of the time, you're out in the field with a recorder out in the real world recording and collecting sounds just in everyday life and bringing them back, putting them in your sound library, and you, and eventually, you know, you have 10 terabytes of sound that you could – a new movie comes in, you could cut 90% of it with what's in your library. And you okay. only have to do a little more Foley and, and things like that. Okay. What's the craziest sound you've ever recorded? Craziest sound. I well, I'd say the f- the most fun was recording the cars for Need for Speed. Really? Because we had all of these like supercars and we took them out to California City to the airport. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, right? Isn't California City abandoned? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. So, it's a tiny little airport and we just basically rented their service road that ran along the runway. We couldn't actually do stuff on the runway, okay. uh, but we rented the service road that ran alongside it. And we had all of these amazing supercars and these stunt drivers, and they would, you know, we we would mic up all the cars, and we'd had five or six different microphones inside the engine, have a couple inside the car, Whoa. some by the mufflers and the exhaust, uh-huh. and, and they would, you know, first... Okay, let's do a you know slow away. Call it a way where you just drive away. Okay, and then we'd have each of us with our little microphones at certain points down the track, so each person that the car zoomed by would get a different perspective of uh, of the speed. You know, because at this person he's going twenty miles an hour, at the next person he's going forty miles an hour, and so we take all that and we can take it back and just use whatever we need for for the movie. Wow, that is intriguing. You're literally just miking up a bunch of motors. And I guess my only question, do you have a bunch of XLR cables just just following the car? Was it all done wirelessly? What, well, it's all the... done with a sound rig that's in the car. So the XLR cables are oh, coming okay. out of the hood or, or going under the floorboard of the, of the car to the recorder. Then you just hit play on the recorder and it just sits in the car as they are doing wow. donuts and, and peeling out and all that kind of stuff. The other thing that came to mind just now that was pretty cool was for the Godzilla roar. Uh, we did. You that. did Godzilla too. Well, I I didn't personally work on that movie, but I was, you know, everybody on uh, at E squared is like, you know, a dozen people, and so you always know what everyone else is doing. Oh, okay. And I was there when they did the Godzilla roar, and there's a certain thing you can do with sound called worldizing it. Okay. And you can do that with plugins in Pro Tools, which means you take a sound from a library. And you're gonna make it sound like it's in another space, right? You put you put reverb on it. You make okay. it echo like it's out in yeah. some place, right? But the best way to do it is actually in the real world. So they set up all of these giant um, concert speakers, and they played the Godzilla roar through the speakers that uh, my supervisor Eric had designed, and recorded it on the Warner Brothers lot as it echoed through the whole lot 
Whoa. And we actually got calls from Universal who heard it from Warner Brothers. <laughs> you know, Warner Brothers is in uh, Burbank uh-huh. and Universal is Universal City, right? Yeah. And they heard the roar from Warner Brothers and called to like, and, and we had to let the, you know, emergency services know, fire department know that we were going to be doing this whole thing because uh-huh. it was loud. Like the whole city of Burbank probably heard that. Uh- that day. <laughs> but getting that, recording, you know, all of those reflections in a real kind of city environment just is that much cooler for the So for the whole the poor city quality. of Burbank is running around <laughs> thinking that Godzilla has just attacked, you know? <laughs> wow, this is intriguing. Okay, I, I hate to end this, but we're coming up on the end of the hour here. How can people see more of you? Just We were going to talk about your YouTube channel, but we ran out of time. Tell us what is it yeah, and I, how they can see more of you. Yeah, you can go on YouTube. Uh, Gnarly Mode is the channel, and uh, we just do fun uh, kind of entertainment, little short videos, uh, special effects videos and cool sound videos. and. That's just a, you know, the part-time hobby. Oh, dude, that is awesome. Okay, so we have been listening to Joel Erickson on the Cardin Ellis Show. I'm your host, Cardin Ellis, but he's the cool guy. <laughs> Check him out on Gnarly Mode. And um, if any of your friends were traumatized by the Godzilla roar that was all throughout, <laughs> you know, Burbank, you know whose fault it is. Actually, no, it technically wasn't yours, but your friends. Yeah. So, um, wow, this is great. This was totally awesome. Guys, make sure you don't go anywhere. Be here same time, same place next week. This is the Cardinella Show. See you next week.